The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Why are you dressed like a hockey goalie in our living room? Well, you know how I said that we really needed to save more? So you're dressed like a goalie because you make saves? Yes. Maybe we should just go to Navy Federal Credit Union. They have tons of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. Oh, what a save! (sighs) Grow your finances with the official military appreciation partner of the NHL, Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal, and may lose value. Hello, everybody. It is I, your Robo Bruiser, Holden McNeely. And it me, Sexy Cavewoman Jake. <laughs> unka, unka. Hell yeah. Fuck the reptites. <laughs> Fuck the reptites? Me dumb or am me. That's my dear family. That's my Brett. My, You're my 11 brood. years old and I'm the first sexy anime girl you ever saw. <laughs> get ready to get imprinted. Uh, I jump around a lot. Unka, I immediately unka. just like, there was an interview section I read where they got all horny about her bazungas. <laughs> By the way, what we're today's episode is on Chrono Trigger. Fuck that, the drama. Fuck the history. Fuck, fuck everything. Bullshit, of, fuck dude. Lavos. Fuck you. Fuck the gurus. Fuck uh the We're just gonna talk about plants. the sexy cave woman. <laughs> So yeah, they were all in the dream team, which we'll talk about. We're all in an interview that does uh, not hold up well, talking about how they got too excited about how bouncy she was, and then they were told, hey, guys, maybe you should make them less ridiculous, and they were like, oh, but we were still quite a rat. I was just like, all right, I hate to start on a negative note, but that was like, I no. was like, guys! Ayla is a one-woman storm of sex and violence, and America's <laughs> youth were not ready for her. So today, by the way, this is a Patreon-sponsored episode, uh, so shout-outs to John Schwickert for uh, donating for this one, and it is dedicated to his brother, Brian. Aww. Now on with the show. Chrono Trigger is was was definitely, when, when I hit up Jake to do this episode this week, that was definitely Jake. Spoiler alert, has not actually played through Chrono Trigger. For me, personally, all right, so, you know what, and if you have thoughts about that, definitely hit him up on Twitter, yeah. on Facebook, publicly shame him, hurt him. It's on Steam. It's only $15, Jake. So I don't even know what is uh, I was thinking of like picking up on mobile because they had a pretty good port of that. Is it good on mobile? It was terrible and they fixed it apparently. Okay. But even then I don't it's 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 sixty hours on a game that like after we're done recording, I really... will have no emotional <laughs> reason it's a to put really, really good game. I love JRPGs as most of you probably know who listen to this show. This is a game it took me too long to get to. I came to it in college, I believe. Um, but or that I re- grand wave of like SNES 9X ROMs that well, you get through on I remember your shitty laptop. We all got into, yes, actually, absolutely. We all, I remember we got really into Final Fantasy games, like FF7 ruled the school. Uh, my buddy Keith really loved uh, Final Fantasy 3 uh, or 6, depending on who you ask. And, um, 
I remember my buddy, he was, he weirdly was getting into like collecting carts and he was just like, I've heard about this game. It's supposed to be like one of the best RPGs ever. It's, it's got a great weird ass name. It's called Chrono Trigger and it is literally like $80 at Funko Land. Well, right? there's a reason for that. Yes, there is a reason for that. And so I, uh, I was like, what, how is it this expensive? And he got the game, and I looked at it, I was like, it looks cool. I think that, for me, graphics mattered too much back in the day. So, for me, I was already on Final Fantasy VII. I'm on mm. Final Fantasy VIII. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, like, in this whole new world of graphics. Um, but I could tell there was something special there, but I never really got my hands on it until they released it with, I believe, Final Fantasy IV on PlayStation. With the anime cutscenes and all that? Yes, with the cool anime cutscenes. I was like, oh, this would be perfect. This would be the best way to play it. I put it in, and uh, in between every single fight, there was this awful load time. Amazing. That fucked up the whole thing. That It would ran so much better on cart. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't even get through it. I was like, fuck this, man. I don't even want to... A try this so aggravating is every time by the way if you've never played Chrono oh, Trigger we're, we're you encounter gonna... enemies like in, in the on the map essentially like if you're walking around you'll see them on the map it's not random encounters random encounters in other Dragon words Dragon Quest Final Fantasy you're wandering around the overworld then <laughs> things yeah and you go into a fight randomly and you don't know if you're gonna be in the fight I love this about Chrono Trigger I think it was one of the best evolutions of JRPGs hey let's put the characters on the map and you choose whether or not you want to encounter them and get into a fight with them um, and how you want to encounter them. And uh, so every time the whole thing would stop, like every time you would encounter an enemy, you'd like walk up to them and bump into them essentially. The whole thing would like freeze, you'd wait, <laughs> then they'd start moving and you'd like get into the fight, right? And, and in an RPG, when you're doing hundreds of encounters, that got old really fast. So I actually put it down until college. And then yes, I got... Nesticle, and I forget what <laughs> SNESTical was, probably like S Jizz or something. I don't yeah. know what it was. Uh, it's just a bunch of, yeah, just a filthy cum shot, a Mega Drive <laughs> emulator. <laughs> just the horny people that made that's who I want to interview, Jake. <laughs> just the horny, bizarre people that made uh, these emulators and like what, what their masturbation ritual was. So uh, I put it on. And fell in love with it, as most people have. It is an um, amazing JRPG with mind-bending time travel mechanics that just are brilliantly uh, used in the game. I think that that um, emotional emotions being evoked by really good story elements, but unlike the super self-serious Final Fantasy stuff, you had a lot of levity and really fun, mm -hmm. goofy... Dra Dragon Ball-esque, you know, yeah. comedy stuff going on that I think strengthens those dramatic moments so much more than just like, we are a serious kingdom and yeah. blah, 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 and everything's dramatic. And then, you know, so when the dramatic thing happens to these characters that have been making you laugh and smile for so long, it was absolutely brilliant, you know? You would actually the, feel this emotional Final connection Fantasy to games, a frog prince. Final Fantasy games do have a lot of... um a lot of comedy in them like it's not that crazy but a lot of it is lost in translation a oh, lot of true, it is yeah. like definitely weirdly adapted and, and falls flat they, whereas chrono trigger has a ton because the uh fights were uh you know real time on the overworld uh the way they initiated fights and the way that they kind of had to get encounters to happen in real time like there, there are moments where you literally stumble into a room full of like 
imps and gobblegoids yeah, yeah, yeah. who like look at you and they're like eating dinner and they're like, fuck, uh, shit, shit, shit. Okay, we're fighting. <laughs> and it's like the sprite work is doing a lot of visual comedy yes, yes. that really does make it seem magical. Uh, you mentioned the overworld thing. Uh, so because they chose that, uh, the, the game planners and the programmers had to like create over 100 unique battle scenarios where like you're yes. walking in a forest and you trip over a branch the branch snaps and everyone jumps out of the trees like they can't just you know they had to uh have an in-world reason why you were about to fight sometimes which is way stronger really really makes it so much more immersive mm -hmm. the look is also just really really welcoming it, it's a bright world and i think that it almost reminds me of going from like skyrim to like the witcher 3 Right. Mm. In the sense of I felt like we were in such dark RPG terrain at all times, Fallout, yada, yada, yada. And then a game like Witcher 3 comes around. You're like, oh, we can still have a, a dark fantasy, but the world can be lush and mm. bright and wonderful and, and welcoming, you know. And that really reminds me of like the difference between like FF3 and this where where, you know, FF3 much grainier, darker. And a lot of this was graphically uh, reasoned. If that's a phrase that makes sense. A lot of this had to do, or me more memory-based, rather, not graphically, but graphics feed into the memory, right? A lot of... Neither of us have a computer science background. Just going <laughs> to throw that out there. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, like uh, they, uh, In other words, they had a lot more memory to work with in this cart, mm -hmm. in this particular cart, which we'll get to. Thus giving, uh, I think, them uh, more of the ability to have a more detailed, lush bright beautiful popping environment mm -hmm. sometimes things just end up and that, that's very true i think for skyrim sometimes things are just darker and grainier just because of the the memory storage space they just don't have the memory to work with to make it more detailed and give you that brighter more beautiful environment two things that also set the gameplay apart from other jrpgs is the fact that on the battle screens uh positioning matters that like we're individual bad guys because it's kind of a half real time half turn based thing. Yeah. Uh, that Final Fantasy games also kind of did, but in this one, uh, you only have three characters and they can do double text and triple text yes. together. Yes. And the way the characters interact with each other, moves wise, it fucking is awesome. Uh, in addition to that, there's this element system where you know water beats fire and uh, light beats shadow. Or in the SNES version, they mistranslated as lightning, but it's light and shadow mm. are the are the antithesis elements there. So, you know, uh, you can, like, plan it out. There's a level of strategy going on, and you can, like, either just hack away at a villain, or you can wait until the exact right moment where all three of your characters are in the right position, the villain's in the right position, and you can execute just this devastating, flashy-ass tech move. Yeah, and, and, and flashy's the word. There's a lot of really fun special effects-y elements going on when it comes to the fights and stuff like that. These really, for uh, a 2D, like, JRPG made on the SNES, it has quite a bit of uh, spectacle that is really wonderful in the game. And it's there's also, uh, this was, it's a weird just kind of quality of life thing, but they, I can't, where's, where... I have it written. Okay. They also invoked the active time event logic system. Yes, which we can talk more about uh, in a little bit. But essentially, you just... If someone's talking, you can just walk away and do other things. Yeah, you can, like, walk <laughs> around and do shit. And, and it can cause for... It can cause things to change. Yeah. It can cause, like, say you're... You know, the best example is, like, a villain's giving you their monologue about, you know, whatever before before you're going to fight them. And if you just walk away, they'll be like, oh, fuck, what? You're just walking away? I guess we have to just fight now. You can, like, <laughs> cut them off. All right. I want to take a step back, and I want to approach this from 
the Dream Team perspectives. That's really what this is all about, by the way. Chrono Trigger, if you don't know, is the perfect melding of essentially three different properties. Final Fantasy, uh, Dragon Quest, and Dragon Ball, uh, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball. Yeah. And those three properties are represented by three different men. Hironobu Sakaguchi, the, the Gooch! The Gooch is back and he's ready to attack. He won't take no flack, especially if your name's Zack. All right? Fucked up on billion dollar champagne. He's got a goatee and his word is law in he the 1990s. He is so rich and so horny. He had breasts, <laughs> plastic surgery onto his ass. <laughs> It's he, that's where he got the gooch is on fire. If you want to stand in the gooch's way, you better be prepared to fucking have your eyeball fucking smacked out of your face. He'll do like a little like move. He'll just kind of poke you weird, and one part of your face is not even near your eyeball, and you're like, I don't even understand why you did that. Oh god, my eyeball! And just the eyeball just shoots out of his out of your head. Uh, and we've covered this in several <laughs> Square uh, uh, based episodes before, but. He was the one when Square was failing as this weird software company that's like, well, if we're gonna shut down, I'm gonna let's do an RPG, a Final Fantasy. A Final Fantasy. I will actually give you a little bit more background on him. Uh, then there's Yuji Hori, who did um, the essentially did the Dragon Quest series. Again, I'll give more. more we'll go more revolutionary into these guys. figure in the Famicom 8-bit era. And Akira Toriyama, the 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 Lord God of Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. But let's start with Sakaguchi. Uh, Saikaguchi originally wanted to be a professional musician playing in local bands. Then he went to college for electrical engineering, dropping out mid-semester. Hey, what kind of music do you want to play? Local bands. Local band music? What does it sound like? <laughs> Imagine a mid, like a bar with like, it's pretty crowded, but not too crowded. That music. I'll never make video games. I'll only play in bands for the rest of my life. That was one of his favorite songs he used to play. Um, he then went to college for electrical engineering and dropped out mid-semester in the early 80s. His schooling led him to programming, however, and got him wanting a computer, which meant he needed a part-time job, which is where Square came in. Square wa- was founded in 1986 by Masafumi Miyamoto as a computer game software division of a powerline construction company owned by uh, Miyamoto's father. Now at Square, he's uh, be, you know working. At, he, he eventually becomes a full time employee, uh, at, and his role is director of planning and development. He worked on a bunch of failed games for the NES. This is around the time of the the Nintendo Entertainment System or Famicom in Japan. He's failing, failing, failing until he pitches a concept for an RPG called Fighting Fantasy. But this was actually later changed to Final Fantasy because the Gooch thought he was about to leave games for good. And also, if this game failed, Square was probably going to have to get out of the games business, right? Um, This, of course, was a giant success leading to the Final Fantasy series. The Gooch has directed directed or produced... Like all of them, is like for the most. I'd have to go back and look at that. Around like it's, it has to be over fifteen years ago. He kind of spun off and did his own thing. Yeah, but the golden age is uh, kind of the the Gooch era. Uh, Final Fantasy VII taking it to the next level. Uh, he then blew a bunch of money trying to make the Final Fantasy movie yes, spirits within, that and that kind the, of roughed it up. That would be the all. downfall. Did you? Uh, I went to the theater opening day. Same, same. Yeah. It was an it was a psychotropic nightmare of a film. I, I do not I, understand. I was like, where are the chocobos? <laughs> where, there, there's literally w- all right. What what are like? There's literally like three things that crystals. are crystals, crystals, mog, mogs, moogle, mo- mogs or moogles depends. Moogles and chocobos, right? 
Mm -hmm. You don't even want to give a nod to these fucking things that are literally in every single Final Fantasy game. No, two characters were called Biggs and Wedge. I remember that. Just call it Spirits Within. Why would you even call it Final Fantasy? What a way to shoot yourself in the dick. No, they knew. I mean, they made so much money (laughs) just doing bullshitting around. Of course, their idea for uh, a giant ghost orange blob army from space (laughs) fighting Alec Baldwin in future cities was going to work. It should have been called Scientology the movie. It should have been called Battlefield fucking Japan. Um, Are you saying his backpack is one of the spirits? (laughs) I am. I am. I'm Dr. Aki Ross, the future of acting. Wait, actually, is this what led to Death Stranding? Probably. <laughs> actually, now I think but there is like a very, actually kind of interesting. Uh, then you have Yuji Hori. Mm. Graduated from Waseda University's Department of Literature. He worked as a freelance writer for newspapers, comics, and magazines, including a video game column for Weekly Shonen Jump in the mid-80s called Famicom uh, Shinken. This is where Enix comes in. Uh, Founded in the mid-70s by a Japanese architect turned entrepreneur as a company to publish tabloids that advertised real estate. It was originally... I know, right? Uh, How do we get... Every video game company seems to come from a completely innocuous, random other company. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you know, uh, the last podcast network was a subsidiary of Marcus's uh, salt mine. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and other mineral extraction duties, and, you know, he just kind of, like, of course, spun it off, his too. bone collection museum. <laughs> uh, originally named Aidansha Boshu Service, then Aidansha Systems, which is a subsidiary specializing in real estate trading and brokerage, then later was renamed to Enix Corporation. And essentially how they got into gaming was they started holding a personal computer game programming contest, and that is when Yuji uh, Hori gets involved. Now... I guess they were seeing the games was potentially lucrative, maybe trying to make a lateral move, but they didn't have any developers. They didn't have any game makers. And so the fastest way to do that was, hey, there's a contest. We'll give away money. And essentially that was just how they hired on every game maker that they had was just by throwing a contest out there. I feel like Japan works like that in a lot of ways. I mean, most of the manga guys enter contests Mm -hmm. in the beginning win those, move forward, get hired, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So the contest seems to be a big way in for especially creative stuff. Um, so Hori enters the contest and creates a game called Love Match Tennis, which did very well. The contest ends up convincing Hori to become a full-time game maker. He starts off making visual novel adventure games such which, as... again, didn't exist. He was the guy really? that was... Yeah, yeah, he's credited as creating the visual Point- novel. The, oh, the visual Port- novel, not the point-and-click adventure game? The uh, visual novel Visual game. novel is an adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, well, you're talking about, like, Portopia Murder or whatever? Yeah, Portopia like- Serial Murder Case, one of my favorite names of a game. Yeah, that's absolutely considered one of the first visual novels. I want to play it. I don't know if anyone in this listening, but there's the Game Center CX, which is, like, the proto version of the Let's Play. It's a ah. Japanese TV show that they translated into English... Uh, there's a very good episode on the Portopia murders that, if you watch that, you'll get the gist of it. Nice, nice. Famous for having the first Easter egg where you can, like, catch a girl in the shower. <laughs> cool. Great. He's oh, he's horny. He's horny. We've established that horny. already in this episode. Horny, horny. Horny, horny. Horny, horny. That's what they used to call him around the office. 
Then he goes on to create Dragon Quest, which is said to be the blueprint for Japanese console RPGs, taking its inspiration from early RPGs such as Wizardry, Wizardry. and Ultima. And those were made on Apple PC. Dragon Quest... Was Dragon Quest before Final Fantasy, right? Okay, so Final Fantasy pulled there. They were, like, seeing what Dragon Quest was making and was, like, we need to get In the time frame we're talking about, uh, in Japan, Dragon Quest was still the king and Final Fantasy was just kind of, like, nipping at its heels and, like, kind of following behind. It's absolutely the opposite in America, by the way. Mm -hmm. and, And maybe for most Western, you know, countries in general, I mean, it was Final Fantasy 6 slash 3, you know what I mean. Uh, and seven that just blasted Square into the stratosphere. And Dragon Quest really didn't catch my attention until maybe just a few years ago when I was getting games on. I mean, I'd always maybe kind of heard of that series, but as an American, I never. You didn't really have you, none of my friends were like, "Hey, you want to come over to my place and play Dragon Warrior?" Yeah, and there are those guys. Those guys have definitely been coming out of the woodwork as Dragon Quest has become more coming more popular lately. Mm. But like, finally. Everyone, dragon, green blobs, green slimes, green slimes. And I'm like, I get it, green slimes. You know what I mean? And I, I did actually. My first, dragon- I think you might have picked the one color slimes don't come in. That's actually green, for- yeah, green slimes. Yeah, there's green, there's blue, there's metal, there's oh, there's green. Okay, I trust you. Oh my god, if I'm king slimes, dude, if I'm fucking wrong, no, no, they it's there's every variety of slimes. Uh, I love that there's some enemies that are just three slimes stacked on top of each other. <laughs> Even though I got Dragon Quest, I believe, 8 on my DS, I never finished it. I think I finally burnt myself out on JRPGs on my DS, like, after playing 20 of them in a row. So I never quite finished that one. I'd like to go back to it, but I was enjoying what it was about. Though, recently, I did purchase and complete Dragon Quest Eleven, which I thought was fantastic. Had a wonderful time playing that game. It is interesting to me. I wonder... uh, I think also maybe Final Fantasy just has these, like, epic story turn moments that I haven't really heard about that much with Dragon Quest? Uh, I think they, and there's definitely, there's definitely fans, it's, uh. Like, what do you think sets the two apart the uh, most? Literally what set them apart was Final Fantasy started doing, like, steampunk sci-fi shit. Yes. While Dragon Quest was sticking to medieval fantasy, and that's what made it seem cooler and more relevant in the West, at the very least, and that's what jumped them over. By the way. And then they hired, they kind of, uh, Dragon Quest stuck with, uh, the the, Toriyama with Toriyama's artwork, yes. which seemed like a little too cartoony. Cartoony, yeah. You know, this is in an era where Dragon Ball wasn't on every cool black guy's shirt. Right. So we had uh, Tetsuya Nomura's cool anime artwork with the with Tifa and Cloud and his big sword, yeah. and that, like, sideswiped us. We weren't ready for that cool-ass anime art style. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and speaking of the steampunk thing, steampunk definitely in Chrono Trigger. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, tons. I guess I'm getting confused now. Did six come out before Chrono Trigger? So the way the timeline works out it's is... It's all... Yeah, they were all kind of making them around the same time So they were made... Uh, six and Chrono Trigger were being made at the exact same time, but because uh, Hori and Akira Toriyama were freelancers and it was more just kind of... Uh, like, basically, Sakaguchi was just relishing the idea to work with Hori... They spent like a year just shooting the breeze and thinking it out and like hashing out ideas and testing stuff. And uh, once Final Fantasy VI was completed, then that whole team got involved to like actually get it across the finish line. Right. On top of that, like there was this weird proto version when they first started working together uh, that like 
fell through and Toriyama took himself off the project, but a lot of that work ended up going into Secret of Mana, uh-huh. which is its own thing, which its own thing, if you yeah. kind of relax your eyes, you can kind of see where the Toriyama shit came in from. Yeah. It's, totally. They're very similar in the main character design and a lot of other elements. Speaking of Toriyama, let's talk about him. Uh, we covered him, of course, in our Dragon Ball Z episode. I will say, by the way, before people start screaming at their uh, iPhone while listening to this, I'm sure we will get to a Dragon Quest proper episode, by the mm. way. Give uh, me seven years to catch up on the games. So we've definitely covered some Final Fantasy. We've definitely covered Dragon Ball Z. Uh, and But Dragon Quest this is really the first time this has entered uh much well, I think we've mentioned Dragon Quest before you, on you episodes. You cannot talk about RPG video games without it with, passing mention. Without talking about Dragon Quest, that's how instrumental it was. So Akira Toriyama, he worked at an advertising agency designing posters before he got into the manga industry. He submitted work to a contest in a Jump magazine, but didn't win. However, editor Kazuhiko Tori, Torishima, who would later become his full-time editor, contacted him and gave him encouragement. His first story, Wonder Island, was published in Weekly Shonen Jump in 1978. He became very popular, rather, after his comedy series, Dr. Slump, started running in the early 80s. Dr. Slump, with a character with lavender hair who was like a plucky uh, science whiz named Aureli, Aureli, whatever, uh, who's very clearly an inspiration for Luca, who is also kind of has shades of Bulma. Yes. yes. Uh, So, like, honest to God, if you, like, if you didn't know any better, you would look at these designs for Secret of Man and be like, oh, these are Dragon Ball characters. Totally, totally. Like, um, the the imps, like, there's just an entire, like, just half the enemies are just Cybermen. One of my favorite things, by the way, that I learned was, like, he created all these designs but he left them with no design of like what they look like from behind. So they always had to figure that out themselves and like use their imagination and fill in the gaps. Because essentially what he did, as you stated before, um, by the way, he was living at home with his parents before he started uh, Dragon Ball. Um, and after that, he moved uh, uh, and, and he created Dragon Ball. And as of 2014, it has sold 159.5 million Tankobon copies in Japan alone. It started as an adventure comedy, turned into a martial arts fighting series, said to be the most influential shonen manga of all time. Uh, he did the series for over a decade with 519 chapters written. And um, he comes in and he just draws these like great characters. And even though he's not, he's definitely the least involved of the dream team, mm-hmm. you would say, right? But still, just the character designs alone helped them world build and helped them create their plot. Just these interesting, fun-looking character types. As a writer, I could not think of a better gift than receiving your list of main characters and have it be a frog knight, a cavewoman, (laughs) a janky robot, a girl scientist, a princess with a crossbow, and a generic anime protagonist with a katana. (laughs) That's like such like dear God, what a great like uh it was actually one of the producers who like had a rudimentary list of the types they wanted. It was just a curatorium's design, so now they think about it. So whatever. Well well no I think wasn't it the Gooch who ga- or was it Hori who gave like really bad sketches to Toriyama? I think to base, because I know that Toriyama said that he was like really happy at how shitty the sketches were that were, he was handed, because then he could actually just use his imagination. He, he, he I, forget, I, I don't have the exact quote, I don't think, but he did. He actually doesn't like it when he gets very detailed sketches from people, because then he's got to like deal with their concept. <laughs> Whereas this, he was just able to go nuts yeah. and ha- really have fun with it. Yeah, yeah, no, they look nothing like the designs that he was given. 
so the three take a trip in 1992 to the to the U.S. to research computer graphics. They decide to create something that quote no one had done before. They didn't. They, you know, they weren't taking the trip like together. They was just you know it was a bustling time in computer graphics, and so around the time that uh, all the conventions and showcases and and uh, forums were happening, like they were all working in games and all came in together. And they just had time to hang out because they were the only fucking dudes who spoke Japanese. Yeah, they didn't even necessarily. I mean, they're they're talking about ideas to work out a new game, but they don't have a plan per se. That is until Square employee. But you know what the thing that got them the most excited was? What? The amazing invention. This is going to change the world. Imagine the two biggest companies in electronics, Nintendo and Sony. Combining forces to make a CD-ROM add-on for yes. the Super Nintendo. God, this is such Some a kind weird of part. Playing station. <laughs> Could you imagine the possibilities? So, for those who don't know, this is where the PlayStation came from. Was actually a collaboration between Sony and Nintendo that fell through to make a disc drive add-on, kind of like yeah. the Sega CD for the Super Nintendo, right? Or mm-hmm. was it for the? It was for the Super Nintendo, right? And that fell through, but there was enough work done there that convinced Sony, hey, we could probably come up with our own disc drive-based uh, uh, enough video work, game system. and also unrepentant spite over how Nintendo fucked them over on the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just burning need for revenge. So it was like, oh my God, we're all killers of what we do. We're, At this point, Corey is so a freelancer. Much... Akira Toriyama is a freelancer. Yeah. There's no contractual reason why they couldn't join up. And we got all this juicy new memory to work with so that we can finally not have to play the creative game of like workaround mm-hmm. bullshit. And we can just build a world we, we believe in and make it as huge and expansive as humanly possible. You know what would be a fun idea for that? Time travel. Time travel would be a really cool deal. Because then we could have each realm, like, look different. Because, you know, who cares? We're never going to run out of space, but we don't have to make, like, new worlds for every time period. We can just, like... You know, it's just just infinite space is going to be amazing. Oh, uh, one thing I was trying to mention before is just that uh, they they get a call one day from Square employee Kazuhiko Aoki, uh, who was the battle designer for FF3 and 4, who offered to produce the project. And that's when they really start. That's when it really becomes a much more serious work. Um, they spend four days brainstorming ideas, which they took to Square. Square sees what they did, pulls somewhere between 50 to 60 devs on for the project, including Masato Kato, who started off working for Tecmo on games such as Captain Subasa and the Ninja Gaiden series. During this time, his role switched from graphics to graphics and scenario writing. Apparently, it was initially shot down by an anonymous employee who suggested the time travel story. But then once they sat down with it and uh, realized that it wouldn't actually make the gameplay repetitive, it would actually allow them to spin off into all these different crazy story concepts. Also, it doesn't hurt that Hori was a huge fan of time travel fiction Mm. and was just really into that kind of sci-fi thing. And really, you're right. And also, remember the landscape of the time. You get it with FF6 and you get it with Chrono Trigger. But before this, it's all been fantasy for the most part mm-hmm. and not as much sci-fi when it comes to JRPGs, which we touched on earlier. But I just wanted to re-emphasize the point that you weren't re- like, th- this is a game that has everything. It's got fantasy world. It's got traditional castle knights and kings and all that good stuff. But then we go... In- mother brain. <laughs> yeah. Then we go to fucking mother brain. We go 10,000 AD. We go to the pre- prehistoric times. We j- we're all 
over the place. And story-wise, that's got to be a lot of fun for these guys. It makes the side quests feel incredibly unique and different yes, from each other. Totally. Because uh on Frog side quest, you're, you know, you're you have you're dealing with his emotions of being a squire and like honor and and nightbound duty. In a uh, Robo's quest, you have the fucking genocide dome. Yeah. <laughs> and like uh and humanity and the fucking terrifying matrix world he's from. Uh yeah, no, it's absolutely like uh yeah, you know, it's a story you wouldn't be able to tell without it. Plus, and unlike what they were worried about it being too repetitive, it actually serviced multiple playthroughs. Because they're like, well, with time travel, you have all these different angles and options, and the whole concept of time travel is that you could do things in different ways. Mm-hmm. So this game, by the way, one of the first things I heard about this game, why it was so cool, was that it had like 15 endings, mm-hmm. which was very unheard of, I feel like, for games at that time. Now, I will say, these endings like can be slight variants from each other. I mean, you you always at the end of the day, you got to fight Lavos. Yeah, like and it's just yeah. when are you going to fight Lavos? Who are you going to fight Lavos with? Where yes. are you going to fight Lavos? And did Is- you complete X number of side quests mm-hmm. as well? That will feed in as oh, well. Oh, should we mention Lavos? <laughs> yeah, uh, Lavos, Lavos is a big porcupine deer tick that um <laughs> sleeps in the center of the earth and uh is just gathering energy so that he can just uh jizz meteors all over everything so he can have a tick porcupine baby. It's a good villain. Uh, and and it's cool. They do a big switcheroo too, which we'll talk about when we get into like best moments later on. But they do a, they they have a lot. They do that wonderful JRPG trope of like, oh no no, you thought this was the villain? No no no, this is the main villain. You know, yeah, like yeah. halfway through the game or a third of the way through the game. Also, that, that happens all the time. You mentioned playthroughs, and I just wanted to uh, note that. Did you know that Chrono Trigger is the first uh, known use of the phrase New Game Plus? Interesting. Yes. I uh, did not know that. It was a weird translation thing that kind of caught on because uh, in Japanese, it was uh, uh, Tsuyokute New Gameu, which means New Game with Strength. And uh, huh. the translation for the SNES game was famously kind of all over the place. The guy was given like yes. 30 days and we'll he talk was like about a frazzled it. weirdo. Yeah. But he just made it New Game Plus. <laughs> Interesting. That's really cool. Cause yeah, you think about some stuff like that, and 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 in my head, I'm just like, yeah, new game plus. It's like always been around, but that's, actually, that is a weird way to phrase that. Hey everybody, it's me, your balding bruiser Jake, here to talk about this week's sponsor, Keeps. You know that awful feeling when you realize that you're losing your hair? It sucks, and. Two out of three men will experience hair loss by the time they're 35, so to help set your mind at ease, we're here to tell you about the most affordable and easiest way to keep the hair that you have. They offer FDA-approved products that used to cost a lot, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get your hands on. Just by taking a few minutes and starting at just $10 per month, you can stop worrying about your hair and actually do something about it. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few questions, snap some photos of your hair, and a licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. I actually, I I did it in a taxi cab. It was that easy. It was right there on my phone. It was amazing. Once you're signed up, the treatments are shipped to you right to your door every three months on a regular schedule. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of them you've probably tried before, but you've never gotten them for this price. Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, plus now you can get your first month free. That's free, $0, free. It's a hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. Uh, To receive your first month of treatment, just go to keeps.com slash wizard. 
That's keeps.com slash wizard. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash wizard. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com for free. You should probably try it if you're worried. That's what I'd do. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. We've got Kato involved. He's going crazy. You know what I mean? Sakaguchi said this about the time travel mechanic. Wherever we could, we tried to make it so that a slight change in your behavior caused subtle differences in people's reactions, even down to the smallest details. I think the second playthrough will hold a whole new interest about the whole replay thing. Kato also did his best to avoid, as he put it, long a long string of errands. Like, do this, take this, defeat these monsters, or plant this flag, as he put it. He would hold continuity meetings with around 30 employees in attendance at a time. This is like, and I mean, I guess he wrote the Guidance series, but but those aren't like, that's not like a lot of writing. I uh, feel like he... For the time, they were actually oddly impressively narrative driven you know they had all those cutscenes, yes. the tecmo cinema whatever true true it. but still this is like on another level for this guy i mean what an intense amount of scenario writing plotting just all of i like anytime you make time travel a thing yeah especially in a fucking video game like there's just so many possibilities and therefore so much complexity to the writing Kato and Hori met for several hours a day over the year of development to pin the script. Kato was con- uh, also contributed character ideas and design. Toriyama, of course, contributing the character designs as well. Uh, Katase said this of Toriyama. He only did the character illustrations and concept art, but those illustrations gave us a lot of inspiration. They gave us ideas about the world of Chrono Trigger and the character dramas. It's really amazing how many ideas we got just from looking at them. The team originally planned for Chrono to stay dead, by the way, one of the biggest moments. What? Spoiler! In the, in the game, Chrono died. I mean, you got to know we're going to spoil this decades-old game for you right now. It's I don't know. It's a pretty big moment. It set it apart. It's like Yeah, for it's, sure. It's like Darth Vader level huge twist. Yes. Especially, a, a, like incredibly special at the era. Um, do, should we talk about it now? Should we just get into it? Sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. So about the first half of the game, you're going through the standard RPG trope. Literally, your mom wakes you up in the morning. You meet a princess. You go and you find the villains, and like you uncover the plot, and you find the big bad, and it all bounce culminates. Ba- the woman's breast bounce. Um, <laughs> there was actually a huge debate uh, that, like, one of the things that took them forever to nail down was uh, uh, Hori was like adamant that the RPG protagonist not speak. That like you know, Chrono is just you. You're just supposed to be Chrono. Like. Don't right. even don't muddy it up. You are every kid Magoo with your katana and your spiky hair. Uh whereas previous Final Fantasy games uh kind of got into the 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 you know with Cecil in Final Fantasy Four and uh you know Terra in Final Fantasy Six, like they made their protagonists more real characters because mm-hmm. you know, made them it's a better story if you have a real character instead of just a floating avatar. <laughs> but what they did in uh Chrono Trigger that was amazing is when it's time to fight the final bad guy, a little bit earlier than you thought, but like whatever, you've been playing a while, it's okay. Uh, Lavos, the space porcupine deer tick from hell, fucking ganks you. Just fucking obliterates yeah, your main yeah. character. It's definitely that version of the trope that you're more used to now in games where you, you know, oh, this is a legit fight, and then they just smash you to pieces. You're like, oh my God, this is going to be impossible. And then it's like, oh, it's supposed to happen. And so all of a sudden, you're without an avatar character. You're dead. You, yeah. the, I mean, you are Chrono. You are supposed to be Chrono. That's the whole point. And you just died. 
And now you're just stuck the with titular character. And now you're just stuck with these characters that you come to like rely on. That you know you you know. Uh, I want to be cave woman. Luca and and uh, I I like frog. I like frog. Um, he gives little lick kisses to help. I love frog. Licky licky kissy kissy slurpy derpy. I actually like. Uh, I'm sorry. Is Luca the which Luca's one? the inventor? Yeah yeah. I like her the best. Probably. Oh, yeah. she's, she's like great. a fun big sister type. She's fun. She's funny. She's. You know, um, yeah, I like her whole vibe. And so, like, now it's up to you. Now you're helping these. You're, you're in. You're in. They, like, you know, you're not relying on just, like, a power fantasy anymore. You care about these characters. And together, they work to bring you back because they care about you, the player. Yeah. And it's this amazing connection with these characters that you don't normally get in an RPG because it's just like, hi, I'm Big Dick Magoo. I'm from the, I found the promise sort of whatever. I'm Bigger Dick McGree, and I'm here <laughs> to challenge you for the sword. Uh, please, power of friendships, help me get a bigger dick. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please write a JRPG together, Jake? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Called Big Dick Magoo. <laughs> Final Fantasy. Big Dig Magoo's Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> and so there's a reason why this game affects people very much so. And it's because that weird turnaround where, like, instead of you looking after these just, like, game mechanics that, like, you're the healer, you're the damage, you're whatever. Right. All of a sudden, you're watching. It's like every moody kid's fantasy of, like, dying and watching how your friends miss you a bunch. <laughs> Uh, and then you work together, you get the titular chrono trigger to bring yourself back in a very convoluted thing, but you can just move on. You don't have to bring yourself back. You can like yeah. fight Lavos without you. That's right. It's maybe it's just not your story anymore. Yeah. It's, so it's very cool. impressive. It's a very good twist. Very smart. There's so many little choices like that all sprinkled throughout the game that you might not even notice. Another one we'll talk about with the trial. You know, where, where they're just these really smart, clear attempts at trying to think outside of the box in a genre that wasn't even that rote by this point. You know what I mean? But they were still just reaching so hard with this game. And that is one of the main reasons why this it's like I guess I guess you, you were asking before we started about like, what's the hook? We always try to find the hook. Right. I think today the hook for Chrono Trigger is. This is one of the best JRPGs ever made, and and here's why, mm. right? And 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 the reason is not just because the dream team, right? That that's the easiest way it's to say the, it's the best. It's, it's like, the, oh, of course, you have the perfect melding of the minds of all these great JRPG makers, but there's also they're not they're going for it. They are going deep in the paint. It's the dream team with enough resources to actually make the dream team's vision a reality but still enough technical limitations that they can't get too lost in the weeds. Yes. It's a beautiful it's perfect. thing. It's perfect. And that's why this game is so pure. Mm. And and really how, you know, uh, I was reading a lot, we'll talk about Chrono Cross, but really Chrono Cross is like the opposite in that sense, right? That mm. It is like the technology, is, or is exactly the, the problem maybe, is that the technology got so good that they could throw everything in the pot. And it's, and it's maybe a little little much even though it is i i read a really good kotaku article i believe it was about how you know it's it's not a great sequel but it's a really good rpg mm. it's just not chrono trigger 2 you know what i mean uh, but anyways we'll, one we'll of the, get to one of the Cross. planners of the, you know i get we i have no idea how japanese game development works especially back then there's like 800 directors 800 producers and 8 million planners yeah but one of the planners akihiko matsui said 
Uh, we had a mountain of ideas that we tried and had to cut. Uh, the last six months of the game was just cut, cut, cutting. We made our programmers' lives a living hell. Of course. Yeah, definitely. You get a lot a big sense of like, ha-ha, they almost died working. Ha-ha. <laughs> You're like, that does it again. Doesn't age through it very well. Um, Chrono, the team originally planned for him to stay dead, like you mentioned, by the way. But it was actually um, the, I believe it was Square themselves, found it way too depressing and forced them to have him brought back to life like very quickly after he dies. One of the most traumatizing things that happens real early in the game is uh, you watch Marl, the princess character, undie, like go through a grandpa paradox where she gets unborn because of the events yeah. of, in in like real time. And instead of being like, so ewee gooey, she's just like, if I feel terrible. I'm like dying but not dying. This fucking sucks. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the idea originally as written was that uh, she's definitely gone. She, you, you, she's gone. She got erased from the time stream, uh, and you end up finding a different version of her in an alternate timeline. And Sakaguchi had to be like, "It's no, you still. She's still dead. The person you met died. Yeah. It's not the same. Oh, Fix it. Don't fucking. We can't have our princess get <laughs> ripped apart, tachyon by tachyon, in front of our eyes." <laughs> But honestly, if they had gone in those directions more so, I would have loved it. Oh, my God. I would have loved it. So also you had subplots, wonderful subplots, by the way. I think a big standout of this game, as well as Final Fantasy VI, is its wonderful side quests involving each character to really give them all their moment. I felt like they nailed that shit in, in this essentially time period of games right now i never played it like what's what's a memory you have of like a really good side quest? the best i for me i i for best moments i put down uh robo so um robo essentially agrees to spend four centuries <laughs> rebuilding a forest um and uh, selflessly so to help some people and he is awoken by his time traveling pals to celebrate seeing each other again after 400 years of not seeing each other he's like awoken in this temple they go out into this forest that he single-handedly rebuilt and they sit by the campfire and they just have this beautiful character moment where everybody's just sharing their thoughts and talking about the things going on in each of their lives it gets very philosophical they talk about how like memories are time are time travel and these just beautiful it's just this beautiful small moment that just gives such life to like a goofy on its face looking robot you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that that really has this meaningful beautiful side story that's like more human than the what the other humans are doing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. really gorgeous stuff right i mean just such a cool and and everybody gets their moment with that stuff you know everybody gets to go back in time fix their problem or attempt to and and discover something about themselves uh killer killer uh storytelling in that sense and uh the subplots were written by yoshinori katase and takashi uh, Tokita uh, Katase was director on games such as FF6 and FF7 and is currently producer of the FF7 remake. Tokita was a lead designer on Final Fantasy IV, a game known for being the first Final Fantasy to really up its quality in terms of drama and storytelling. So that you you're really having the people. I think another okay. So the third bullet point mm-hmm. of why this is one of the best JRPGs. They are essentially, like, there's a lot of, like, newbies in here that will go on to become the, the greatest 
uh, like masters of mm. JRPG game making and games in general, right? And they all just happen to be working under this one umbrella of brilliance, mm. right? In this great way. Um, also, these are the two people to thank Jake for coming up with the active time event logic system. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> Talking to different people and steering the conversation in different directions because you can move around during scenes. You can maybe talk to other people while a scene's going on. It's essentially like... Shout out to our our, our, our amazing source for all of these old Japanese dev stories. Shmupulations. Shmupulations. Shmupulations to you, sir. Why isn't it shmupulations? Because it's a translation of a shmup story. Oh. <laughs> you know, shoot em up. Ah. Um... I kind of liken it, it's it's like the JRPG version of what they did in Shadow of the Colossus, like letting you move the camera around oh, during yeah. cinematics. It just gives you that slight sense of having control over these pre-controlled moments. Aoki said, normally when you reach a boss, he goes into some long-winded preamble before the battle starts. Now you've made it. Wow, 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 ha, ha. In Chrono Trigger, the player can move around freely during such event scenes, including boss encounters. Say you don't want to listen to that boss and start walking away, then he'll go, why aren't you listening to me? And the battle will begin, as I mentioned before. But that was the quote from, specifically from Aoki. Obviously, the PlayStation thing didn't pan out. They did a very quick turnaround to get on the cartridge. Uh, they're working with a carts because a memory was valuable. Like the actual physical chips you could put in the plastic thing and still make a profit selling a game was razor thin. And uh, they got the go-ahead like six months out that they weren't going to use a 24 megabit cartridge. They got to use a 32 megabit cartridge, the largest that they had ever made at the time, which uh, maths out, you know, between megabits, Tokita megabytes. Tokita says, the director, uh, Takashi Tokita says, it's our first 32 meg game at Square. When you think about it, you could fit four Final Fantasy IVs into this cart. It's uh, four megabytes crazy. of memory. That's that's So four floppy disks, yeah. basically. Like yeah, I it's nothing, three, too. Yeah, three yeah. floppy disks. Uh, and in 90s terms, that was crazy expensive. Like, you know, nowadays you can get a uh, an SD card with, like, an actual terabyte on it for like a hundred bucks. So what they ended up doing with that extra space is they improved a ton of the graphics. They added so many more details and oh, set yeah. pieces. Uh, for an example of kind of what they added, uh, you can just let the game play and the demo mode, which you know they knew was going to be playing in like shop windows. Uh, if you let the game play and it just let it roll through its demo mode, you'll see stuff like. Uh, the uh the the prison towers and like the you know the the lush background and the big dragon tank and uh mages castle which is this yeah. gigantic scrolling sprite that looks incredible the courtroom scene that yeah. courtroom scene doesn't like nothing else on the super nintendo looked like that right. that was such a detailed bitmap and it was because they had this extra memory that they also crammed a ton of extra music and oh boy, the music. Oh my God. Um, yes, poor, the music created poor. by Yasunori Mitsuda. Um, he was a sound programmer for Square at the time. And he gets frustrated about his pay at Square. And so he goes to its VP, Sakaguchi, and threatens to quit. Sakaguchi responds by suggesting he compose the score for Chrono Trigger and that maybe your salary will go up. He pulled from a bunch of personal pieces he created over the past two years. This is essentially the culmination of, like, it's like every band's first album. Mm -hmm. They have, like, years of music to pull from, and it's, like, amazing, and that's why the sophomore slump happens. Um, Mitsuda said, I wanted to create music that wouldn't fit into any established genre, music of an imaginary world. The game's director, Masato Kato, was my close friend, and so I'd always talk with him about the setting and the scene before going into writing. 
Uh, he would sleep at the office, and he'd have these dreams that inspired him to create tracks, such as the ending theme, to, uh, which is called To Far Away Times. Uh, can we play a little bit of that? Sure. Yeah, just clearly on a different level, mm. right? Um, and he would use leitmotifs, which I feel like you get a lot in modern games now, but this was, I think, maybe a little more novel back then. These are reoccurring musical phrases throughout the soundtrack to get the feel of consistency from piece to piece, to feel like it was all a connected world, which you really needed to do when you're dealing with time travel and really dealing with these very disparate-looking, feeling places, pre, you know, pre prehistory, the future... You know, uh, knights and pr princesses, all that stuff melding together. The music's really going to have to be the Lebowski rug of the situation, tying it all up. So Mitsuda says um, about his, about all of this, the number one goal this time was to make something that you could listen to over and over without getting sick of it. So each piece is really long. Normally the music loops after a minute, but all of my pieces are more than two minutes. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for the memory. Very long. Uh, it's gotten to. I, he ended up working himself. This happens yeah, a lot. He, when we he, he lost his fucking mind. He lost his fucking mind and his body. He had to get hospitalized. Yes, with ulcers, stomach ulcers, with stomach ulcers. He clawed his way out of his hospital bed to go to the rap party where they revealed like the ending in front of the entire staff. Which to, to which he cried his eyes out when he saw it. And. For Chrono Trigger, he ended up writing three times as many tracks as he would end up writing for his like later stuff. Yeah, because he learned his fucking lesson. But literally, Xenogears it was uh, the next big project he worked on, and that was a CD-ROM game, and it only has a third of the music tracks. Was it like sixty? I believe, or something like that. An insane amount. It's a ludicrous amount. At one point, he had a hard drive crash in which he lost forty in progress pieces. That was one of the big things that led to his stomach <laughs> ulcers. Um, and they brought in Nobuo Uemetsu to help out once he started like falling apart. Uemetsu is referred to Final as fantasy the guy. yeah referred to as the Beethoven of video game music, having composed on much of the FF series. It, it's it's unbelievable uh, how much the the soundtrack is three discs long. By the way, um, that's how crazy that was. Behold uh, the power of four megabytes. That also allowed them to really go wild when it came to not just character design, but enemy design. Sakaguchi says, there's a lot of strange, funny monsters in Chrono Trigger. We kind of let our spirit of playfulness run free, which had been pent up in the Final Fantasy developments. And I think, again, talking about that very serious tone of Final Fantasy, Whereas, and, and again, I think you're right, but I do think the levity came into Final Fantasy games more in the latter. I'd mm. say six is when they really started to have more moments, much moments of life. And even that, it's not a lot. And then, what you know, it's not till later that you get like really silly side character moments and, and mm. goof em ups, right? Uh, I think that this allowed them, just having the Dragon Ball influence just allowed them to be playful and funny. And, and that was really cool. Like, and and the fact that it's a different IP and it's just not it's not the same you know series that they've been working. on. I mean, yeah, that's uh, Magus Magus's uh, cadets in the translation are Ozzy slash and Flea, uh, whereas because it's a Toriyama thing, he originally named them after food items in Japan. It's uh, Vinaga, soy sauce, and mayo, <laughs> like the sauces, like the condiments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, of course, uh, talk about Dragon Ball yeah. inf influenced. Uh, so um, it was originally going to be in, uh, released under the title Maru Island. Um, 
under the Seiken Densetsu series banner, which is essentially the the mana series. Mm-hmm. Um, but they ended up um, rebranding it to Chrono Trigger after Nintendo canceled the disc drive and moved. Uh, they moved the game over to SNES, and I guess that whole Fallout just they were like, all right, fuck it, it's its own game. Mm-hmm. We're not, yeah, whatever. We're not making it a part of this other thing. Sakaguchi, responsible, by the way, for the game's overall system and contributed several monster ideas as well. Katsuhisa Higuchi programmed the battle system, which was quite different from the previous Square titles, as we talked about before, with the um, fighting enemies on the map, but also with being able to like combine your powers and stuff. It was very difficult to get those battles to load properly and seamlessly. Um, as I mentioned before, it, it that kind of is what happened to me when I tried to play it on a PlayStation disc. It didn't load seamlessly and it felt awkward because of that. It, it was all the more brutal uh, that... That it can't jump to a blank screen at all. Yeah, it, it can't, can't just go to, like... Diddly, 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 like, that's all just... That's all filler for load time. Yeah. Like when, when that animation happens. And they didn't have that ability, but that is, again, what makes this game... Part of what makes this game so awesome is that feeling of like, man, I just walk up to these guys and I'm in a turn-based fight and it's and it, you know and that we take for granted now but back in the day I was a there's huge there's so deal. many like the villains in this game like especially the monsters have so much personality and there's entire segments where like you're not even fighting the villains you're just like kind of hanging out with them it's like super rad yeah, Higuchi also struggled with the fact that having your characters fight in a semi-three-dimensional space in the map, there was a lot more patterns depending on where they were facing. So you don't even think about that. Usually jumps to a two-dimensional on each side fight mm-hmm. with the carriage. You only see one side of the character. They don't, like, tra- transition. They never look forward or to the left or to the right, which is completely different in this situation. Kato said, the enemies in a normal RPG are just the one still picture. And if a really cool picture shows up, then it moves just a little bit in the back. In this game, it's not like that. The enemies really exist, and they move around like the characters, and it takes an enormous amount of data to animate them. That's just how alive the enemies are. Oh, that's actually interesting, because like there are basically two kinds of battles in Chrono Trigger. There's the uh, squirrely move-around guys, and then there's the giant like wall of yeah. evil. Uh-huh. Whereas in Final Fantasy games, you had like more of a gradation because they just had, were responsible for the side view. Right. But it's like if like we're not going to animate this guy turning around, so he let's just say he can't because he's fucking gigantic right. in a small space. Totally, totally. Lastly, there was a lot of inspiration from Ridley Scott's Alien. I feel like R- Ridley Scott's Alien and System Shock mm. are like keep coming up always, dude. Like Ridley, I did not realize how much Alien influence especially japanese on 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 the japanese end by the way Mm. is a lot of japanese especially around this time japanese people getting huge uh visual inspirations from from alien and giger arigato nippon (laughs) so they had to push the game back a year to 1995 they showed alpha versions at events in the meantime it was released in japan in march and in the u.s in august The U.S. version differed in that it didn't have some of the art from the ending as well as multiple translation discrepancies because Ted Woolsey, the translator, had just 30 days to localize Chrono Trigger for English speakers. He wished he had had two and a half months. So if you could imagine having less than half the time that you really needed to make this a strong translation. Uh, Also, he didn't have a team. He didn't have any of that stuff he literally had to memorize scenarios and look at drafts of commercial players guides to put dialogue in context 
The U.S. version also removed certain Japanese things. Of course, is a Sake Super Nintendo right. game. So there was uh, references to breastfeeding, boozing, bisexuality, and religion that were all removed from the game for the U.S. version. It was a bestseller in Japan. It did very well in the U.S. It was so beloved that even though there wasn't necessarily a shortage of carts, it is so. Yeah, or, or you said there's a reason why it's a collector's edition. No, I'm saying that the reason why it was so expensive sure. is because the size of the cart was just a physically expensive oh. chunk of silicon to produce in that time. I thought it was just a rarity. I think that it did become rare by the time we were looking at getting a cart. It was we were like in the late '90s, yeah, early 2000s. So it was also a little more rare, but. It had a higher ceiling to jump from, I think. To, so, like, yeah, the game was expensive for its time. Yeah, and, and now, then it, it's it's worth a, a, like one hundred fifteen dollars now and twelve fifty sealed, a thousand two hundred fifty dollars. One thing I want to point out about uh, Woolsey's translation is that uh, uh, if you pick up later adaptations, like the DS version, they kind of like gloss over, uh, I guess, the personality that he injected, but to the detriment, the voice of Frog is forever changed <laughs> because Woolsey yes. went hog fucking wild on Frog. Yes, he did. He so went. for example, um, now the line should probably, if you're, if you're, if you're playing, the line will be something along the lines of like, uh, you know, they're trying to escape a dungeon and Frog will be like, yeah, there should be a hidden door somewhere in this passage. In Woolsey's version, that line was, mayhap a hidden door lurk not. <laughs> Mayeth thou become attacketh thee like <laughs> he goes fucking ham with the ye oldie speak yes. in like the most nonsense because he's fucking cramming this yeah, out. He's like, a much more stoic, serious character. Yeah, and, and he's uh, frog is ho- the frog dialogue. I prefer the hokey ass. I kind of like it too. Ass pull version. It's a fun because again, it it pushes that at concept of being out of time mm-hmm. better. So it does kind of work in a weird. Accidental way. Um, best moments. We've really talked about most of the ones that I wrote down, but I'll just add the trial, which I briefly mentioned. But it, it's really smart. I mean, uh, it was influenced by uh, Twelve Angry Men and A Few Good Men and these these U.S. trial movies. There wasn't Phoenix Wright at the time. Trials in games wasn't like a big thing for for them back then. And uh, one of the smartest things about the trial, if you don't know, is that in the very beginning of the game, you have this really fun carnival. Uh, scene essentially mm-hmm. carnival event and you go around and you the talk millennium to people fair. yeah the millennium fair and you talk to people and you like have these little interactions that seem innocuous that just seem like little kind of incidental fun, incidental story building things character building things but then at the trial all those little decisions you made are now evidence against thrown you. back at you and evidence against you and if you do things in a certain way you Spoiler alert, which is kind of like a metaphor for the game as a whole. Like, you end up going to jail no matter what. Mm-hmm. But still, you can end up being not c- called not guilty by the jury if you did the carnival right and chose the right things. And um, But then that fucking needle dick chancellor still fucks you uh, over. That fucking fuck. But uh, anyways, that, I think that's one of, one of the more brilliant things that was uh, really not happening in games. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite Let's Players... Uh, who don't don't fucking yak me on this whatever if you hate the guy but just don't yak Jake in general uh, but Chugga Conroy is actually doing a uh, Chrono Trigger let's play like he's on chapter nine at this point and so I've been watching that to try and get a feel for the game and uh, this is amazing once you get sent to prison you can go through this elaborate prison break sequence mm-hmm. uh, you know where you're like finding cracks in the wall and climbing down towers and you know getting you know you're just going through it and classic RPG prison break sequence. Or 
you can literally just stay put and wait out the three days until you're like due for execution, and then Luca will come in and rescue you as you're being let out anyway. Dad didn't even know that. Yeah, that's super rad. That's super rad. Ja- when the little baby Janice just looks at you and is like, one of you is going to perish. That seems super <laughs> creepy. That was super rad. Um, so there are a couple of sequels. Nintendo had a weird thing in Japan for the Super Famicom called the Sat- Satellaview, which allowed for games to be downloaded via a satellite modem connection to blank cartridges. It's which It's very- kind of like Sega TV. Do you remember that? I mean, I remember it existing. But- I, I actually had a friend who had Sega TV. This is like pre-Netflix video game Netflix. It was like a weird thing. It was like a weird, like a cable box kind of thing you could get and essentially allowed you to play whatever games it had on its menu. Really weird, really like pre-streaming, streaming type technology. So for that, uh, which is why it never made its way to the US, they released a game called Radical Dreamers Nusu Minai Hoseki, which was written and directed by Masato Kato. And it acted as a side story to Chrono Trigger that resolved an unfinished subplot from the original game centered around a caper involving two characters, Magil and Kid, which eventually end up turning out to be Magis and uh, Shala from CT. Oh, nice. From Chrono Trigger, rather. Uh, yeah, it was like a small thing. It didn't, you know, it didn't like make big waves. But then you have Chrono Cross, which came out on the PlayStation in 1999. I remember when it came out, my buddy who... Ben, who got really excited about Chrono Trigger in the first place, he got really excited about this. I was too completely overwhelmed by this game. There are 45 party members you can play as. It is um, Mitsuda returned to do the music. Kato took took it as an effort to redo Radical Dreamers properly, and he and I think I believe he wrote the whole thing. And he also though talked about how this is not Chrono Trigger two. Instead, this is Cross. Mm-hmm. This is like taking elements of the universe but it's like its own thing but people didn't get that memo and oh yeah chrono chrono cross has like it's still magus's show yeah like it's fuck chrono magus is the guy and it's a parallel universe even so there's not even it's not even in the same specific world people didn't get that memo it got too harshly compared to chrono trigger nothing will compare to chrono trigger it's such a specific Mm. In a specific time and place with a very specific team of people, nothing's going to live up to that in that way. It's a great RPG in its own right, but it's not really what you necessarily want to play after you're done playing Chrono Trigger in order to play like a sequel. In fact, nothing's really out there. Like what I will say, shout out to I Am Setsuno, which attempts to get vibes of Chrono Trigger, but even that game, I feel like it's repetitive and boring by the end. It just doesn't have the same. Oomph. And because it's also, that was an indie company, or yeah, whatever. It's a smaller, those. it's 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 a comparable yeah. JRPG, but it's not the same. I mean, even just in general, the environment itself—it's a snowy, very same samey environment the whole game, which is very uncharted trigger. But the fighting system—if you miss, if you have nostalgia for the fighting system, you really want to do that X slash yes, with Frog and Chrono. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh yeah, we didn't even mention for best moments when Frog uses the Masamune uh, to open the mountain. Uh, it's like a big, big moment. Um. All right, I think that's it, Jake. Uh, do you have anything else? I think that's our episode on Chrono Trigger. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I feel like I feel in real FOMO, uh, seeing the amount of love for this game. Yeah, the you gotta play of- it, man. I it holds up, dude. Definitely, when if you ever get an urge to play a JRPG, I highly recommend this game. Like, I think especially like an old school JRPG because it's out on Steam. I think the DS port is also very strong. 
Um, and yeah, I'm actually I I was eyeing it and I like almost bought it before I came here. I'm probably gonna get it on Steam and replay it again soon. I'm just gonna I'm gonna download. I'm gonna get it on Steam. I'm just gonna do that thing where like for the first hour you don't go to the Millennium Fair. Yeah, you just like. Despite everything in the game telling you, please go to the Millennium Fair, you can like travel to other continents, you can like get a bunch of money, you can buy upgrades, you can get everyone's upgrade gear before you even meet them. That's amazing. It's like, hey, Luca, I guess you exist anyway. Here's Your an upgraded gun. Yeah. gun. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for uh, the Patreon sponsored episode. I uh, definitely, this was always going to be an episode I wanted to do. And I really enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you did too. Uh, if you'd like to follow us further or support us further, go to patreon.com forward slash whizbrew for just five bucks a month. You can get free bonus. Oh, it's not free. You get bonus <laughs> content. It's $5, but bonus, a bonus episode every single week. Um, if you want to hold in, I don't have money, but I still want to support you. What do I do? Stop listening and just, you know what? Do your own thing, okay? I th- I was hoping you'd tell me to leave a review on iTunes because it's free and an easy <laughs> No, you know way. what? Okay. In fact, del- if you have written one, delete it. No, this seems <laughs> antithetical to stated goals of helping spread the word. But <laughs> Are you a child or an old man? I'm I am the cannot. world's oldest child. <laughs> But yes, that is that old child. That old child is correct. If you'd like to uh, support us further without paying five dollars a month, please write a review. Rate us on iTunes. Every little review and rating helps. Uh, if you wanna- I whittled my own pacifier. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this character. <laughs> goo goo gaga. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, also, you can follow me on Twitch TV fi- forward slash Holdenators Jake. Follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young. And if you want to check out uh, dropout.tv, where all sorts of fun cartoons that I do voices in appears, you know, there's a free trial. Hell yeah. Check it out, guys. And always remember never stop bruising. Keep on whizzing. Oh, it's a piss thing. Piss thing. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.